The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you or persecute you or utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Praise to you, creator of the universe, who has given us life, sustained us, and enabled us to reach this day. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to see you all, and uh, I will try to not get distracted uh, preaching to you this morning because I'm looking at your faces, and it's, it's so wonderful to see so many familiar and beloved faces. Neil, I think this is the first time I've seen you, so it's Nice to see you. Um, and a blessed All Saints to you this morning, a precious tradition in the Episcopal Church and in the Emmanuel family. I remember Weavers, the women's group I started, boy, a long time ago. Uh, it was Maddie Luce Reynolds who taught us about the Day of the Dead and the ceremonies around that. And I remember many, many times in, in her kitchen or Alana Burdell's kitchen or Ruth Engel's kitchen, uh, bringing our mementos of beloveds, and I had never uh, experienced that tradition. So thank you, Mariluz. Ten, ten days ago, I visited the mother of a friend of mine who is in hospice at the age of 93 in a retirement community not far from us. It was a cold day. We were outside in a tent. Anna was rolled out in a wheelchair. A big blanket covered her tiny, tiny frame. Back in the day, Anna had taught piano and singing for more than 40 years. She'd also had a performing and a recording career as well. Now her pale hands were mottled, her fingers nastily gnarled with arthritis, like tree roots of a great tree. Those once dancing fingers were unmovable, unmoving. When her daughter gave us a few moments alone, I asked her how she felt about dying. And she said, I'm not afraid. She said, I don't know what's coming next, but then all my life I haven't known what's next, you see? <laughs> I thought that was such a simple and profound thing to say not being afraid of death. She didn't know what it was gonna be, but then your whole life, you don't know what's coming next. 
I was deeply moved and I was so grateful my friend had invited me into that holy tent. As we were visiting over, over and over again, I found my gaze drawn to her fingers, so still, but so powerful somehow. There was such dignity in their stillness, a great tree. On our way home, I recalled a book I had just read by the young writer, Gina Ray La Serva, called My Mother's Hands. Is that a great title for a book or what? My Mother's Hands. And she wrote in there, written in my mother's hands are the stories of her life. Gina Ray is a young writer. And lately I've been seeking out the voices of the young whose lives are just ripening, whose stories stretch to a road which is longer ahead of them than behind them, unlike Anna's, and at this point, unlike mine as well. To give you a feel for this young woman's experience of quarantine and COVID, she writes, everything's gone sideways. There's no way to know what's coming next. How do you plan for uncertainty? And then later in the book, she writes, it feels like a time of no future. It feels like a time of no future. I did not feel that way when I was 30 something. Her writing is rich and troubling often, heartbreaking sometimes, and sometimes it is heartbreakingly hopeful. So here's a quote for your All Saints Day. What is history, she writes. History is the steady flow of hope through generations. I've been taking that in this week. Hope as the steady flow, excuse me, history as the steady flow of hope through generations. So here's another voice from that generation, David Ferrier, a young professor at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. Another great title of a book, Footprints in Search of Future Fossils. <laughs> in his months of lockdown, he observes that, quote, the world seems to have slipped its rails. During months of lockdown, he has nonetheless had some extraordinary experiences. Like many of us, David has stared out his window more than usual. And one day after very many years living in the same house, he noticed animal tracks outside his house and they were, as it turns out, fox tracks. Something he hasn't noticed before absorbed as he was and all of us by work and travel and the next thing and the next and our lists. So he makes this observation that lockdown quote is a retreat from, but also a retreat into what is most familiar and most surprising. So he talks about the same kitchen, the same view from his bedroom window he talks about the blessed familiars of life and how we've gotten to know them better and perhaps noticed more. He also, and remember he's living in the great nation of Scotland, he writes, quote, the world has shrunk 
to a scale more like the 19th century world, a world of footpaths, not freeways. Interesting way to look at it. But this is not entirely a bad thing. It's a different journey. A freeway takes you directly to where you want to go on a road you know. We can't travel far now, but we can travel deep and we can travel down, down under. This young writer, this young professor recalls a question that Socrates asked one of his students in one of Plato's dialogues, quote, how will you go about finding that thing which is totally unknown to you? <laughs> and I couldn't help thinking that this week that Anna had her own answer, my 93 year old friend, all my life. I didn't know what was coming next. Maybe that's the answer to Plato's question. And so Mercer Islanders, are you walkers, any of you? I know you are on your beautiful green aisle. Over these months of confinement, what new small path, what perhaps new animal track have you noticed? Since you've been traveling I-90 and I-5 less, what have you been noticing on island lanes? Have you gone about finding things in what feels like a totally new world? My father, Michael Valentine, is buried at Emmanuel. So if you see his name, that's my dad, Michael Valentine. Daddy was an immigrant. In September of 1945, he came from Bulgaria to America. His name then was not Michael, but Menachem. He always called this country America, never the States or the US. We lived always in America. He found his way in a new world, and it was he who taught me the way, the art of getting lost. Honey, let's go get lost, he'd say. And we'd go for a walk in a city park or in the country. And we would wander till we found our way. And I knew myself to be lost. But oh Lordy, how I reveled in being lost with daddy. We'd talk and laugh and he'd point out things and he'd hug me. It didn't matter where we were or how lost we were. I was with him and that's all that mattered. Then eventually, darn, we had to return home. At some point, I think I was 10 or so, maybe 12, about the time I stopped getting dressed up for Halloween. I figured out that dad and I weren't really lost all those times that he knew exactly where we were. But before I got all that grown up, when I was still little, I reveled in feeling lost because I knew that wherever I was going, even though I didn't know what was next, I knew it would all be okay. 
my hand was in daddy's hand. And the loss part, the not knowing what was next, was kind of part of the fun, you know? Well, this All Saints Day, I think, will be remembered as the year that we're 48 hours from an election day that feels for many of us unlike any other in our lifetime. In a few minutes, we will hear the names of those who have died, whom we have been asked to remember, and whose lives are in us still. And in so doing, we will be reminded of the long and circuitous and often heartbreaking lives our ancestors lived. As the Revelation reading, the ones who said, those who came out of the great ordeal, as we heard this morning. They were the ones that found their way, not knowing what was next in their strange new worlds on untrodden paths. And as we pray, we invite their presence with us and we receive their blessing. And as we sing our praises to God, we remember that our little hands are grasped firmly and eternally in the big hands of God. And so I ask you for just a moment to put your hand on your heart, if you will, and close your eyes. And I invite you to take a deep breath into your hand and remember and say the name out loud or to yourself of someone who has died by whom you felt completely loved and in whose hands you felt completely safe. And breathing that love into your hand and into your body, let us say together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.